<laughs> okay, um, so I was, I, um, yeah, I feel, I don't know about you guys, but throughout the year of quarantine, uh, continued, like, deconstructing and, and uh, reanalyzing what I believe and uh, having, in, so it, it's, it's weird being here because I have such conflicting feelings about organized religion and church and the history of Christianity in America, even currently. <laughs> but, I, but for me, I'm not on you, but for me, I also I have to be honest with myself that I just really miss this a lot. Um, so I'm trying to figure out, like, I'm, that's where I'm feeling right now, um, is all of that at once. And I don't quite know what to do with all of that. But that's okay. I think that's okay. In fact, that probably might be really healthy. Um, for me, at least. So let's get into things so I can stop rambling. Um, speaking of introspection, I feel like that's kind of what quarantine did for us for a year. Um, is gave us a lot of space to just think about our lives and how we're feeling and because um, uh, we didn't have much to do, right? <laughs> so once you get done bidging all the shows, you're like, maybe I should think about my life a little. Um, and I don't want to lose that necessarily as we kind of settle back into the busyness of life and things opening up. I, I'm thankful for, for all those um, months of just trying to sort through um, how we're doing as a family and how, how I feel about God. And, um, and I think the longer I try to follow Jesus, for me, it has looked less and less of like trying to be a Christian and more of discovering what it looks like to be whole. In fact, to be quite frank, I, I just don't care anymore about being perceived as a Christian or even identifying as one or not. Um, I, I just far more interested in just being whole. Um, which I, for me at least, ironically, I think coincides with the, with the idea of Christ. So I want to talk about wholeness a little bit uh, this morning, and I'll give you a little definition that I liked. Wholeness is this idea that the quality of being complete or a single unit and not broken or divided into parts. Uh, the passage in the Bible, that chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So my uh, paraphrase of that would be, like, ha have some hope, because you're going to go through a lot of stuff. It's going to be really hard, but go through it. Because if you do, like, you'll come out the other side a little more whole if you let it have its way. If you feel all of it, you'll, you'll be more whole, you'll be more complete, you'll be more you. Um, that's my interpretation of it, at least. And this, this wholeness, I think, is, in my opinion, is best described in this pattern I see. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's just simply uh, life death, burial, and resurrection. And uh, for people with a Christian background, you'll probably immediately go to the, the cross of Christ, right? The life of Jesus, the death of Jesus on a cross, the burial of him in the tomb, the resurrection on the third day, which many celebrate as Easter. And that's great. Um, but, but it's way better. It's way more than just an event. In fact, I think um, 
a lot of Christians get things wrong where they get so focused on venerating an event rather than duplicating it personally. Because it is not just something that happened, it is something that's happening all around us in creation uh, and in our lives. Everywhere this pattern exists, right? Life, death, burial, resurrection. In fact, I think Jesus alludes to this when he says, take up your cross and follow me. He's saying, like, I want you to be whole. So, but this is going to be what it's going to take. And you're going to have to die. And you're going to have to be buried. And you have to be resurrected again. And it will keep happening because I want you to be whole. I want you to experience this. This is what it looks like. Um, so practically, you know, well, not, well, not, well, well still, theoretically, <laughs> let's start there. Life, right, is like uh, hoping for something. Uh, having a dream. Starting a new relationship. Starting a new job. Moving to a new city, having a new home, coming up with a new idea. Death, of course, is a loss of a loved one. But it's more than that. Death is, can be a loss of a dream. It can be loss of a relationship that's been severed or estranged. Loss of a job. Loss of a home. A loss of a belief. I used to believe that. I, I don't anymore. It's died. It could be a moral injury, you know, of, of doing something that you didn't think you were capable of doing. Um, it could be a death of who you once thought you were. But in that, every single time, it's a sense of letting go, okay? Then, last, then second, thirdly, <laughs> um, burial, which is a sense of mourning and grief questions, doubt. You'll notice in, in Christianity, oftentimes they just like celebrate Easter because we love the eggs, but uh, they love skipping over some of this stuff. And therein lies the problem in our own lives. We, you can't skip this. It, it's, it, is, it, is, it is a mandatory pattern in our lives. And burial includes the questioning, um, the doubt, the uncertainty, the darkness, the despair, and feeling it for all of its intensity, completely and thoroughly. Please don't skip the burial. Silent Saturday is, is necessary for Easter Sunday. Then resurrection, deciding to hope again, dreaming, trying again. It's, it won't look the same. In fact, it, it rarely ever does. It's not like there's a nice ribbon and bow on the end of it. It's, it things are forever different, but it's, it could look like believing something again, even if those beliefs have shifted. Sometimes it involves reconciliation, it's about getting back up again. And this path towards wholeness of life, death, burial, resurrection, it, it entails that we go through all of that, that we feel it all deeply. Because in the other end, we become a bit more whole. And this pattern's found everywhere. In fact, it's found in movies and TV shows. It's, um, it's once you see it, you can't unsee it. it, it Joseph Campbell uh, refers to it as the, as the hero's journey, which is way more to talk about that than I'm going to give like two minutes to. Uh, it's wonderful. But the hero's journey is essentially of a person that leaves their village to go on a journey into the wilderness. They, and, uh, they come up with some conflict. They uh, have some kind of battle. They uh, eventually exit the wilderness to return home with a gift to be presented sometimes to, to, to an elder of some, of some sort. And you see this, this journey, this pattern. In, all, in every, any good movie you love, you'll see this, okay? Like uh, Star Wars is literally a copy-paste of, of the hero's journey. 
Lord of the Rings, sure, Frodo leaves the Shire, he goes and delivers the, the ring to Mordo, or he comes back. I, I love those. I had to mention that. But Stranger Things, probably the most powerful example of the hero's journey really is The Bachelorette. <laughs> they laughed. They laughed. Um, they didn't think they were going to laugh at that, but he totally did. Uh, because you see these guys, I'll keep talking about it if you will let me. <laughs> You see, you see these guys swooning over this girl. They leave their homes to, to, to try to attract her. They fight amongst themselves. There's lots of conflict and contra- the most controversial season ever. Um, there's, there's like, uh, you know, there's a battle scene oftentimes. Uh, you know, they, one of them falls in love. But then it comes full circle in probably the most amazing episode of it all, The Men Tell All, right? That's the returning home. Thank you for that one laugh. Um, that's what I look for. I love the drama. Uh, and Laura loves the love story that never occurs. So, so you see this pattern happening, right? You get it. Okay, I've, I've beat that dead horse. This, this, uh, bat, this, this uh, life, death, burial, resurrection, okay? Um, and, and so let me explain it in, in, in how I've experienced it most recently. It was in, a, um, I, I just went through some pretty intense uh, therapy about a month ago. And... Um, and in it, there was a, a memory that was like resurfaced that I wasn't expecting. And, um, and then I, the connection points were, um, were, were really, really vivid and transformational for me. Uh, I, I thought of this moment when I first went to Bible college for my undergrad and uh, show up. I didn't know anyone. I'm really nervous and insecure. Uh, I'd been a Christian for like maybe a couple years so everyone around me looked like these like spiritual giants and amazing. This friend Matt invited me to this revival church evening service. It was a Pentecostal charismatic um, uh, college, Northwest University in Kirkland. And uh, so I go to this place, and that's all relatively new to me too. And they're calling people forward to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you're not familiar with that, it's when um, people speak in tongues and they use languages that they're not aware of. Uh, I go up front to receive this gift. I'm standing there. And all these newfound friends I had started putting their hands on me to pray for me to receive this gift. And I, I earnestly started praying too, and I really, really, really wanted it. Um, and they prayed for me, and after a few minutes, nothing happened. And um, they keep praying, and I feel hands of my new friends slowly lifting off of me to go pray for some other people. And slowly, more and more hands are lifted off of me. Um, and then Matt, this guy I really looked up to, he lifted his hand off me, and I'm just left there by myself, standing, waiting for something to happen. Feeling super awkward about it. Um, so I go to sit back down in the pew, and I just start crying. And I think everyone else around me thought I was having some like, profound spiritual moment, right? But I, I wasn't. I really, I, I just felt like I... Um, like I let everyone down, and I was a, I was, um, I was a second-class citizen, and um, I, wasn't, I wasn't enough, and I was never going to be enough. And in therapy, I just, um, I, I decided to, um, to feel that extremely deeply. And then I started connecting all these points of, like, how that impacted like the next 15 years of being a a pastor desperately wanting to care and help people because I didn't think they were enough because I didn't think I was enough and then fast forwarding to even how um 
I, I, I try to care for our boys of like wanting to be, modify their behavior or, um, or protect them all the time or be a hall monitor because I didn't think they were enough. And it's because I didn't think I was enough. And then coming out of this death and burial to the conclusion that like, no, I, I actually am. I am enough, damn it. And, uh, and you guys are too. Just the way you are. You're okay. And, um, and it had a really profound impact on, on our um, every single day that goes by in my life, actually. Uh, it's impacted how we parent. Um, like I said, we used to focus more on like behavior modification and hovering and hallmarking just because we just care about our kids. We want to protect them and stuff. And, um, but we've, we've changed our philosophy more to a, a, a safe harbor, safe haven model where we go, go on a journey, go on an adventure, go on a hero's journey, life, death, burial, resurrection, experience it. And then like, come and tell us all about it. Like, Make huge mistakes, and, and, and we'll be here to, like, cry with you and laugh with you and cheer with you and, and hope with you again. You know, like, we just want to be there for it. We want to cheer you on. Like, that's, that's been our attempt to adjust how we, how we love our boys. Because isn't that actually how God treats us, right? I don't know if you noticed, but, like, God doesn't exactly keep you or I from much suffering at all. Like, certainly if you expand out to the rest of the world, that's, that's just not happening. But if you look in parts of the Bible, like uh, the book of Psalms in particular, one of the most popular ways of, of characterizing God is, is that he's a refuge. That God, she, she's a refuge, a safe place, safe harbor, a, a high tower. My, my safe place, my refuge and strength. You know? Uh, you see this even in, in how... Uh, Jesus sends out his, there's this moment in the Bible where he, he sends out these, these friends to go talk about God and how God loves everyone. And, and he sends them out into all these different places, about 500 or so plus. And, um, but as he does, he goes, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. <laughs> like he's not, he's kind of public schooling them here. Like he's like, you know, like he's just like, go. And it's super hard. And, 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 and you might not make it. And they, the crazy thing is they go. And then they actually even come back. And he's like, tell me all about it. That was crazy, right? And they like have this great moment of interaction. There's another scene of, of, of in, when Jesus asks probably his best friend, his closest friend, Peter, to, um, he asks him, like, who do you think I am? Like, do you think I'm God? Do you think I'm just a, a wise person? What do you think? I want to I hear. And that, I'm sure that question's important, but like what I'm more kind of just enthralled by is not just, what he asked, but where he asked it, because he asked it in the silly city, silly <laughs> city called um, Philippi Caesarea, and it was like a, a buffet. If you look at the history of that city, of like religious options, of spiritual choices, you know, and and, and really impressive, successful ones, like this big monument to Caesar with this big gold dome was was just sitting right in the distance. You could not have missed it as Jesus asked that question, and then several other, and every option was better than this, this homeless, penniless guy from, from Galilee. It's just practically better. And yet he's like, what do you think about me? 
like just thoroughly unthreatened, you know? So I guess the point is, um, we got to go through it. We can't stop short. We can't go around it. We can't bypass it. If wholeness is what, what, we, what, we, what I want. One of the ways that um, Christians or, or just religious um, religious uh, uh, angled people in general can do to, to bypass it is there's a, there's a term for it. It's actually called spiritual bypassing. You saw like an example of this. It, it, so essentially that, what that is is just hiding behind spiritual practices in order not to feel certain experiences in our lives. So uh, super practical and relevant experience or example of this would be when the pandemic first started happening right? And everyone was really scared. Um, at least on my social media feed, I saw all these Christians just being like, but God's in control. Okay, sure, maybe. But like, also, what, what's really happening is just you and I are just really, really scared. It's okay to just feel that. In fact, you probably should. It's, that's all right to not have an answer, to not have a rib- ribbon to, to, to tie up on it, in your theology, it, that's actually really okay. It's a sense of like toxic positivity that doesn't allow us to uh, feel anger or despair, and we like to label those emotions as negative ones. Sure, how we act out those emotions could be negative. Like I don't, you know, I'm angry, so I punch you. But but the anger itself is not negative. It's it's necessary. It's a feeling that's inside of you and part of you, and that's that's okay. That's actually really really necessary to feel. Um, and not label particular emotions in our lives. You see this when people are like, sometimes people are really struggling in their relationship and, um, and, and they'll, they'll bypass spiritually by saying like, we just got to pray more. Okay, but like counseling pro- would probably be really helpful too because <laughs> good counseling can act like as a, as a mirror and then you're forced to really feel what's happening inside. That could be actually what would move you towards further wholeness. And the, and the, and the most difficult kind of spiritual bypassing is the ones that work for us. So when we feel really good after meditating, I felt really good. It's okay to feel good, but also sometimes it's really okay to feel bad. That actually might be what your body needs. Well, the, the, it might be the, the part that you're skipping over because you want to get to the resurrection, and that's great, but like, don't bypass, right? Wholeness is needed in our lives. Um, also, we got to feel it to heal it. I guess this is the essential idea of it. Um, another way that I, I feel like I, I bypass or I stop short of going through it is, is when I, um, I'm paralyzed by like, okay, I got to make these big changes. Like that's where we jump to sometimes. I'm going to leave Blakely Hall and make this big change in my life. And sure, you might. That would be really great. But, but um, I found it's just a little easier just to make like, I'm just going to make a little tiny change, just a degree of difference. And if you apply that to like, you know, flying a plane, one degree of difference spanned out over a few hundred miles makes a massive difference in your destination of where you're headed, right? Uh, and the same is with our lives, just little incremental differences. So like in my life from that story you heard right before I came up, I, I, I did some, some, some breath work. I, I, I breathed in through my nose. I exhaled out of my mouth. It was a way of recentering to the idea that, Kyle, you're enough and you could totally bomb right now and be okay because you're just loved, and you don't need to fix anyone. They're actually okay, too. Everyone's fine. 
Like it just, you know, a recentering in that. I love that we, we did that before we even start singing songs. It's spot on to be present and to, to be aware that we're in our bodies. So um, what are you going through? And I'm, don't say it out loud. It's okay. <laughs> but the point is to go through it. Please, please go through it. Experience it fully, the life, you know, which means to hope. Like really hope. Sometimes that can be so risky, but that's what life looks like. It always involves risk, trying, dreaming, experience the death, fail miserably, make a mistake, lose, just lose, get your heart broken, experience the burial, deconstruct, doubt, question, drink too much, binge on Netflix, realize it's just buffering, it didn't lead anywhere, choose to feel anyway, go to therapy, like, don't try to solve it anymore, but just face it, cry, curse God, disappoint, and feel all of it. Like, just engage it. This wholeness is waiting. And then resurrection. Feel your heart soften. Try therapy some more. Hope again. Love again. Try again. Because if you do, you'll notice how that kind of wholeness that's developing in that area of your life, that experiencing fully the life, death, burial, resurrection, it will start impacting people around you. And that's what we actually want. I used to think for so much of my life that people wanted, like, experts in their life to tell them what to do. And, like, here's, I'm an expert. But you can Google that shit anyway. Like, you can Google something better, you know? <laughs> like, like, no one's looking for an expert anymore. What they're looking for is someone who's gone through it. So go through it so that you can provide solidarity, empathy, because the degree in which you allow yourself to feel your own experiences will be the degree in which you empathize with others. Right? You'll connect those feelings together. Um, people are looking for those who experience life, death, burial, and resurrection. Because whole people, I've noticed a few characteristics of them. People I really admire that I would see as like, like you just, you've gone through it. Few, few things. One is that they, they, they know you have to leave. They're not threatened by it. In fact, they, they realize that if, you, if wholeness is what you want, it's going to require that you not stay where you are. You got to leave. You got to go. Leave the village. Go on a journey. Go on an adventure. Go into the wilderness. Go. It's, it's actually mandatory. A lot of people are leaving churches right now for the right reasons. Because they're actually after wholeness. That's okay. You know the best part about that too? And sometimes they come back and they present a gift to the church. And that could change everything. It's changing everything. Like that's why I love this church, is that it allows people to come back and leave and present gifts that we desperately need as a movement. All right. Um, what else? Oh, I, I wrote down, because I just like the way it sounds, wholeness cannot be prescribed, but it can be discovered within as it's being described from others. That's why the Bible's filled with so many stories and not prescriptions. Um, another thing I've noticed about people that are whole is they oftentimes don't even share their stories very often uh, because it's, they realize it's, it's, in fact, they probably shouldn't. Like, there's something that can happen. You ever, you ever been in a conversation with someone, you, you share something that was hard you went through, and then in an effort to relate to you, they, they immediately share their story? And, it's, and it, you're like, okay. And it's like similar, but it's different. And it, sometimes it's the worst, but it's like a one-up. Like, 
I don't want up your pain. Do like you think that's, but it's, it's from a good place. I'm just trying to relate. I get that. Like you should you want to relate and stuff, but it's not about you. And what it does ultimately is it, it has a way of centering them in your story and it, your story feels dismissed. And, 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 and whole people just don't feel like they need to do that. Like my, I had a, a dear, dear friend, his wife was going through breast cancer. And that was the hardest thing that they went through was all these well-meaning people just sharing their stories about cancer. He was like, that's great, but like, we're, we're in it. It's great that you experienced Easter, but like, we're dying here. We just need you to feel what it looks like to die. Did you do that? And, and whole people realize that. They, 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 they affirm their story, but they take what that felt like, and then they use that to empathize with others around them. It's uh, in more practical or relevant ways. It, it's like the... Um, the white guy that hears the story of the, of the black person getting pulled over, they're like, well, I've been pulled over too. <laughs> it's great, but you're kind of missing the point. You know? Or it's, it's, the, um, it's the male that hears about the woman being passed over for promotion. It's like, you know, I've also been, um, I've also, uh, been missed for promotions. It's like, okay, but like you, yeah, <laughs> there's some gender inequality here that you're not, it's not the same story. It's a false equivalency that out of an effort to relate. I thought that was going to land. I don't think it did. Um, Let's see, it's taking your story, I already said that, it's like knowing the end of the movie but not wanting to ruin it. And I, I see this applied at, at, at Mission Gathering constantly. Have you noticed how Devin's not the center of it all? Like, that's, that's really, really, really good. In fact, even how we do our services, there's one here, and then we're going to do one in the wild, and then we're going to do one just at a friend's house over dinner, and it's just going to be us hanging out and having great wine and food. Like, it's a decentered ing. It's very conscious and very, very needed and helpful for just wholeness and health because what it does is it validates each and every individual story. Every single one. It gives space for every individual story and the beauty and complexity and mess of it all. Uh, one last thing I see, see in, in people that experience wholeness in particular areas of their life is, um, is they, don't kill, they don't curse the hill that they see from. Like, I, um, I'm not grateful for what happened at, that night at Northwest. That, that would be weird. I, I'm not. But I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for what happened then. You know? So, um, so in that regard, I... I um, I recognize what I stand on and where that allows me to see what I see. And what I see is more places where I can go and further I can climb. More experiences I can have. More life, death, burial, resurrection that I can experience. More wholeness that can be applied into my life. This sense of um, including and then transcending. Including that experience and then transcending beyond it. So, let's land the plane. Uh, what are you going through? What's, where are you at in that experience? Is it experiencing a lot of life, death, burial, perhaps resurrection? Ultimately, the, the way out is, is through. It's through. And and. and the more you go through it, 
the more courage you have, you start to develop. To be like, if I got through that, then I could get through this too. The more confidence you have that like wholeness is actually being developed in my life. I like who I am more now than I did that, that guy at Northwest or before therapy. It was really hard. I didn't enjoy it, but I like myself better now. Feel more whole. I hope that's the goal for all of us. Um, let's just do a, a little bit of breathing together. I'll, we'll we'll uh, transition. If you wouldn't mind, if it's helpful to close your eyes, you can do that. But for me, that allows me to be aware of how my body's feeling, to tap into those feelings, to be present to those. So what I like to do is I like to breathe in through my nose and then out through my mouth. And And... And sometimes the louder the better when it comes out of your mouth. There's a, a, a connection there to the um, neuroscience in our bodies. So I'll breathe in through my nose. I'm aware of events that have occurred, what I'm feeling, that it matters, that my story matters. Breathe in through your nose. Out through your mouth. I would like more wholeness in my life. The way out is through. You're going to need to feel it in order to be able to heal, be healed. One more time. In through your nose. And out through your mouth. God have mercy.